So welcome to our new series, Opportunities and Threats, Advancing God's Kingdom in the Midst of a Cultural Earthquake. So there is a crisis, there is an earthquake going on right now, and it's not over. The earthquake is, is still shaking. We don't know yet how historians are going to look back at 2020 and describe the various aspects of the earthquake that is 2020. I mean, we're still right in the middle of it, and there's no natural, foreseeable future of things just stopping and, oh, everything's nice and back to normal. We are right in the middle of some significant quaking. And the question that comes to mind to me is, is what, what, do, what do we do in an earthquake? What's our natural response if you've ever been in one, and Southern Californians here, most of us have, what's our natural response when you, when you feel the, the ground trembling? Duck and cover, right? Find some shelter. Get under a desk. Find that doorway. I mean, you know, we, we grow up here in Southern California. You know the various phrases here of, of those safety spots. If you're at school, it's under your desk. It's home. It's under the beams find some support, and, and just take cover till the, the shaking stops. That is not going to work right now for the cultural earthquake that is still taking place. Duck and cover, from a spiritual standpoint, is exactly what the enemy, who prowls around like a roaring lion, would want Christians to do. Just duck and cover, go into to, uh, whatever safe shelter you've got, and, and don't come out till it's all over. That is not what God wants for us right now. As I was praying about this series and talking with Dawn and processing together and seeking the Lord, there was one verse that really came to mind right now, and it's Hebrews 10, 39, and it says, We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So there are times when things get scary and dangerous even, and when things are quaking and it's not over, and though our gut reaction might be, man, we just got to duck and cover so till we can come out when it's safe and when the dust settles, we can go and take a survey of the land and, and see what's still remaining and, and see what's safe and see how we can proceed forward. And that is exactly the opposite of the response that we need right now. This is one of those Hebrews 10, 39 times where we do not need to shrink back. We need to rise up. We need to dig into the goodness of God. And therefore, after digging into the goodness of God, say, how can we advance God's kingdom? So that's what we're going after right now. For the next six weeks or so, we want to say, God, how can you empower us in this season to be those kind of people of, of the book of Hebrews who, who see the threats that are coming our way, but also see the opportunities in it to say, we're not going to shrink back. Even though we're not used to 
living out of faith in, in, in the culture and in, in a country where it's so right now uncomfortable and there's so much upheaval and it seems like there's so many scary things coming our way and even threats coming directly towards the church and Christians and so the natural response might be man I just kind of want to duck and cover wait till this all blows over and we want to let Hebrews 10:39 be our guide where it says we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but those who have faith, and through that preserve our souls. So the war we fight is to see the kingdom of God advance. Jesus made that abundantly clear over and over and over, that his battle, his war, his fight is the, is the one against the enemy of our souls, and his desire is to see the kingdom of God advance on earth as it is in heaven. He made that abundantly clear. We talk about it all the time. He reiterated it in Acts 1.8. After he had done his mission and completed it, he told his followers, which is the same for us, Acts 1.8, when you receive power from the Holy Spirit, you'll be my witnesses, my ambassadors, my representatives to carry on that same mission that he had. He said that very clearly in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Sumeria and to the ends of the earth. And so right now, in this moment, in our culture, in our country, in our world, this is not a time to shrink back. It's a time to rise up, sink our roots deep into the goodness of God and say, God, how can we be advancing your kingdom in our city, in our state, in our nation? So that's what we want to be processing right now in this series, looking at some of those clear threats that are coming our way and some of the opportunities of advancing the kingdom in each of those areas. But what you see in the book of Acts is kind of like some concentric circles, moving outward. Jesus says to his followers who have dug into the goodness of God for several years with him, I mean, the revelation of who the Father is, what his will is, how to live life with God in the kingdom, and it moves outwards, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So we're going to follow that intentional progression that Jesus has. It's going to start in here, start in here, and then move outward, city, state, nation, and world. So today we're going to begin where... The Bible almost always begins. When we talk about advancing the kingdom of God, where does that start? It starts right in here with personal responsibility. Jesus said it like this. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is Mark 1.15, a summary of the good news, a summary of the gospel. Mark 1.14 says that the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe the good news. That's that personal invitation to see and believe the good news that heaven is right here. This is the new era that Jesus inaugurated by his spirit, by his death, by his resurrection. That there is a new thing happening in Jesus Christ on earth 
as it is in heaven. God's will is being revealed. It's right here in front of us to grab hold of as we repent and believe. That is that beautiful, personal invitation to everyone on the planet. If you want to be a part of seeing the kingdom of God advance in you and through you, it starts with your personal response that no one else can make for you. No one else can do your business with God to hear the good news, to hear who Jesus is, and to repent and believe. To turn from doing life on your own strength, in your own way, according to your own will, your own vision, your own agenda, rather to humble yourself before God, to see God's ways, and say, yes, I put my faith in that. I put my belief in that. I choose to follow Jesus in his abundant life. So personal responsibility. The Bible always starts there. You don't look outside till you first looked inside. And that's probably one of the threats right now in our world. Look outside. Blame others. Look at all the problems going on and just feel better about yourself by putting the blame all the way out there. The Bible always says, just start right here. God says, let me work on you. Let me work with you. Let me bring you fully alive in my good news. And I was reading Psalm 139 this week. I already knew this series was coming, but I love how God's word just confirms itself over and over. So because I read it and it was in there, I'm going to share it. We could go to many places in the Bible, but this is just from my reading this week. Look at this personal responsibility that God's word calls us to. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is such a daring prayer. Is it not? That is some mightily courageous personal responsibility. Taking ownership for what's in him and coming out of him. That is courageous because who really wants to have their junk revealed? Who wants their stuff to be exposed? I mean, do you naturally like having a spotlight put on your problems? When someone points out problems that you've got in your life, in your life is, is, is anybody respond? oh, please, I love this. Tell me more. No, that's duck and cover, right? I just want this to blow over. So this is a courageous prayer. He's, he's not only just asking a dear friend, he's exposing himself before God. This is a prayer to God. Search me, oh God. That right there is, is so uncommon. That is an opportunity to see the kingdom come, but there is many, many messages that come our way that are threats because they say, why, why would you want God to search you? Oh, you're just an inherently good person that's probably just doing good things, living a good life. Don't ask God his opinion. So this is courageous. Search me, oh God. Shine your spotlight on my heart. 
shine your truth into places of my heart that, that maybe I don't even talk about with anybody. Know my heart, the psalmist says. But he's not done. Try me. That language is test me. Put me to the test. I mean, really? Do you want God to put you to the test? This is saying, test my God. Shine your light of truth. Test my motivations. Know my thoughts. That is bold. He's saying, what are, what are those mindsets, God, that those beliefs that I have? Not, not, not that I say I believe by, but what are those beliefs that I'm actually living out right now? Is there, is there any grievous way in them? Is how I'm thinking and living right now, God, is there anything that's grievous? It's, is it grieving your spirit? Because, man, I don't want that. Show me anything, Lord. A thought, a desire, a mindset, a lie I'm believing that doesn't line up with your ways so I can get rid of it, God. So with your help, I can... Change my mind. That's all the word repent is, by the way. It means metanoia, change your thinking, change your mind, get rid of the lies, have God's vision of heaven as we just sang, be our thoughts, be our worldview, be what we actually believe and live out. So that's what he's praying. Is there anything in there, Lord, that's not lining up with your ways because I want it gone? Lead me in the way everlasting. That is a powerful, secure, confident person that can pray that prayer. Because a threat is coming our way is, it says, God only loves you based on your performance. So that junk inside you, hide it, bury it. Don't look at it. Don't let God look at it. Don't let others look at it. It's ugly. It's nasty. Just weigh down. Keep it down. That's going to keep us, according to this verse, from the everlasting way. So while many people want to just, and all of us in some part of our heart, feel that tendency to just duck and cover from the reality of taking responsibility for things in us that might need to change, the Bible consistently puts forth this picture who are of people who are living under this incredible worldview that God's so good that they're able to say, I want to hear from God things that I can do to change so that I can live more in the everlasting, abundant way of life in God. And if anything's holding me back, God, I want to know so you and I together can get rid of it and I can just walk more closely with you. We can fast forward to the New Testament and see that this psalm is, is a beautiful reflection 
of what we'll see come into greater fruition in Jesus, this picture of this kind of courage, this kind of boldness, this kind of personal responsibility is possible when we grab on to the teaching of Jesus, which is that God is a perfect heavenly father who only wants the abundant life for his children. Jesus came, in fact, for that, died and rose for that. So the best possible thing we could do then in response to the goodness of Jesus demonstrated and a perfect heavenly father behind it all, the best thing we could do, and that's the same invitation from Jesus, the kingdom of God is at hand, so repent and believe. So the best thing we could do in response is say, I want to repent. I want to have my mind changed. I want to have my thoughts, action, desires changed and shaped after heaven. I want to get rid of anything in my life that's holding me back from partnering with God more completely to see his spirit flowing in me and through me. Anything that's holding me back from more of the fullness of life in the Spirit. In other words, a huge piece of what gives us a confidence and freedom to take personal responsibility of our lives of the good fruit and the bad fruit and the things that need to change and be able to say, search me, God, and know me. Shine the light when you need to. Is that our identity is already secure in God. That is not on the line. We are not trying to earn God's affections. We're not trying to earn heaven. We're not trying to earn God's attention and be good enough, perform well enough to live up. Because if that's your mindset, then yeah, bury the junk deep and never look at it. Because if I've got to be pure enough and earn it, I know I'm in trouble. It's not the gospel at all. Through the grace of Jesus Christ, who makes us perfectly right with God, we're now empowered to live from an identity that says, I'm already beloved as a child of God. I'm already accepted into the family of God by the blood of Jesus, by the righteousness of Jesus, my Savior. It's already done. So I'm loved with an everlasting love. I'm promised to be cared for, to be protected, to be provided for, to be blessed. In fact, as Ephesians 1 says, all the spiritual blessings in heaven. So man, it's good to be part of the family of God in Christ. So when you know that all of that is real, your identity is not based on performing or earning, but rather receiving, believing, and basking. As Romans 8.1 says, therefore, when you live in that, there's no condemnation. You're not worried about condemnation at all. And that gives you the freedom, the confidence, the boldness to say, God, when you need to, shine your light on my heart. And if there's stuff that's grieving you, show me. Because I want it out of the way. 
so that I can just walk closer with you. Let's walk quickly through Psalm 139 and a couple more places and see this. It's right there too. I love how the Bible interprets the Bible. The unity of the Bible's message is incredible from start to finish. So let's walk quickly through Psalm 139 and see he finishes with this bold prayer. Search me, O God. Know my thoughts. Try me. Know my, uh, my heart. See if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is a bold, courageous prayer. What gives him the confidence to do it? His secure identity in God. Let's walk quickly through Psalm 139 and just see how, by the time we're done, you can see it's him basking in his identity in God that gives him the courage to finish and culminate with a bold prayer of personal responsibility. So the psalm starts like this. O oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. When I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. Oh, excuse me, I missed an important word. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down are acquainted with all. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain to it. The Bible unabashedly highlights the personal value of each and every individual before God. I mean, I, it, you, you could read the Bible and, and it could be critiqued of, man, this just sounds, and I've heard this, this sounds just too selfish. It's not about you. It's just about God. That is a bunch of BS. The Bible has a bunch of stuff that's all about you and God. You have incredible value before God. You're not supposed to lose all of who you are in God. You are supposed to come fully alive in God. It doesn't glorify God for you to disappear. If it did, he wouldn't have wasted the time to create you. It glorifies God for you as his beloved child to come fully alive in him. That gives him glory as you shine. I mean, look at all this stuff about me. It's all about me right here. I start, look at the psalmist. Oh, Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. And he just goes on to talk about himself. Is this just this selfish, immature, self-centered person? No. He has his healthy identity in God. He knows he has value personally before God. And God just doesn't so love the whole collective world. He loves each and every individual in the world in a very radically personal way. And the psalmist just displays it. You know me. You take the time to care about me. You know when I get up. You know when I lie down. 
You know when I'm going. You know the, the, the words that are going to be on my lips. And what do you do? You hem me in personally. Me. Me. Just me. Oh, wait. And all you too. You can feel like his favorite. That's appropriate. But that's what David's talking. I mean, this language is so, it's like, it's, you hem me in. You go before me. You go behind me. You take care of me. You provide for me. So this is not unhealthy. A child needs to know that they are personally loved. So he's boasting about it. You know me personally. And that matters. He's living out. Like, a great phrase we heard from Bill Johnson a long time ago. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Great, great phrase to meditate on. That doesn't mean that Everything that you want, God automatically says, okay, you can have it. Because sometimes what God knows is best for you is not what you feel like you want in the moment. But just to have that childlike posture right here that we see in the Psalms of all of my thoughts matter to you. You care about the big things and the little things. You know me. You know where I'm going. You're hemming me in and protecting me the whole time. If it matters to you. It matters to God, that personal, individual Love of God for every one of his beloved children. And he goes on to say, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the farthest parts away of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall uphold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not too dark for you. The night is bright as the day. The darkness is as light with you. Very poetic language for an absolutely incredible truth that this child of God is basking in. God, you are always with me. Jesus would say it like this, I will never leave you or forsake you. So he basks. He writes a poem. He writes a prayer about it. Wow, it is so amazing to think about. Even, in, even when I try, even, when, even if I tried to get away from you, you're always there. Wow. You're with me always. He goes on. And you formed me in my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully, wonderfully made. Fearfully, that's awe, reverence. Something holy is taking place. And wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, God. My soul knows it very well. Who's he talking about right now? Himself. Come on. This is okay. You need to, some of you need to know it's okay for you to talk to God like this. God, when you created me, man, that was a holy moment. You knit me together. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows this very well. David is clearly talking about himself. And you know what? It glorifies God. 
To say, God, you made junk. You made a piece of trash. You messed up. I'm not worthy of love. Blah, blah, blah. Fill in the lie from the devil that does no glory to God. So David says, my soul knows well the glory of you knitting me together. This is speaking to the absolute inherent value created in God's image by God with intention, with purpose, with masterful artistry knit together. To know that and soak in it glorifies God. goes on, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they'd be more on the sand. I awake, more, excuse me, more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. So he, as he thinks about God and all God's thoughts, it's wow, it's amazing. But you know what's really interesting? There's a, there's, the, the Hebrew here is difficult an appropriate translation of this, I mean, it meaning difficult, meaning it can, the nuance of what's, what's he actually saying can mean a couple different things. The NLT version, New Living Translation, uh, ha- takes a little bit different take, which is appropriate. We don't know exactly for sure, but here's an option. As he says, instead of how precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them, his, the, another translation says, how precious or excuse me i didn't write it down i'm trying to remember it how vast is your is the sum of the thought of your thoughts about me how precious is that so and i go with the context go with the context of what david is saying so far and this is kind of the culmination what fits better is it to say <laughs> All these things, you know me personally, you are with me always, you made me personally with intention. God, your thoughts are so many, it's amazing. Or does what fit better contextually, God, your thoughts about me are so many, I am amazed by that. I think, obviously, that fits a lot better. But either way, they're both good verses. But that's, that's really the, the culmination of where he's going. He's basking in his identity in God. You know me, God. You're with me, God. You made me, God. You take care of me, God. And therefore, because I am so loved, secure, blessed, add in you know, all these New Testament promises of our identity in Christ, it's the same exact thing. Because of all that, now Romans 8, there is no condemnation in Christ. Because of all that, what's next? Now he has the courage to pray this kind of prayer. So search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. So that you can lead me in the way everlasting. We don't start at that prayer to try to earn God's love or an identity. We bask in our identity, and it gives us the strength and courage and freedom to finish there so that we can keep growing, keep learning, 
keep transforming and walk closer with God through it. So in the midst of a cultural earthquake that is happening right now, and we're going to get to a lot of threats that come on our way from outside, city, state, nation, world, and those are important. They're on all of our minds right now. But as we begin this series, we got to begin where the Bible begins. When we're thinking about advancing God's kingdom, this is where the Bible starts. It says start right here, take personal responsibility. So in the midst of a cultural earthquake that we see that isn't stopping, that we want to be a part of the solution, that we want to see God's kingdom advancing, the Bible says we've got an opportunity to humble ourselves before God. That's where it starts. To humble ourselves before God and say, Lord, how can I grow? How can I change? How can I repent? Change my mind so that I'm more lined up with your ways so that I can walk in greater closeness, intimacy, fellowship, and power with you. So I want to ask us to take a minute here and we're going to close our time with just a moment before the Lord, a bold moment before the Lord where we just pray this prayer and let the Holy Spirit lead as he would want to lead. So some of the thoughts, some of the questions to ask are right there in the end of your lift notes. We want to ask the Holy Spirit along the lines of David to search us, God. How have I possibly bought into a lie of the enemy? As so much is going on and so much information is coming our way that is certainly not all of the truths of God. Is there a mindset that I've taken on, even unintentionally, that, that is holding me back from the, the fullness that God wants for me, from the abundant life, walking closer to Him? Is there something that God wants to get rid of today? Is there some way that, that I've gotten stuck personally in the midst of all the, the cultural earthquake? Is there, is there a, a bondage that you're feeling just day to day? You get up and, oh, I know that's not God's will. I know that's not the fruit of the Spirit. I know that's not what God wants for me, but I, I'm kind of stuck here. I'm stuck in this loop. I'm stuck in this bad fruit. I'm stuck in this bondage. Those are the exact things that God's like, I want to shine my light. I want to reveal so that I can heal, so that you can walk closer with me in the fruit of the Spirit in the power of the Spirit. So let's take a moment here and let's be bold before the Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would search us and that you would know us. But before that, I want to actually just pray a quick blessing. God, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would be renewing in us the power and beauty of our identity in Christ. And that some aspect of who we are in your eyes, by your grace, would be highlighted and stirred up afresh in our spirit in a way that oh, brings us alive in you. That is just good news to bask in. 
that grows us in our security, that grows us in our confidence, that grows us in our boldness because of who you are and whose we are in your eyes. Holy Spirit, bless your people with a strengthening of our identity in Christ. Maybe some of you just want to write down right now what's coming to mind. An aspect that he's just wanting to bless right now in this week. Let him bless it. Let him remind you. Let him reassure you. Let him show you a new way, a new level of truth about who you are in his eyes through Christ. I encourage you, if something's hitting you, write it down, text it to yourself, go back to it, bask in it, thank the Lord for it, make it an object, make it a, a, an aspect of worship this week where you're just thanking God, praising God, like the psalmist did. Give him glory. And secondly, from that place of security, confidence, boldness, let's take a minute. Holy Spirit, search us and know us. Try us. Know our thoughts, God. And by your grace, because you love to heal to reveal, or excuse me, you love to reveal, to heal. Would you show us if there's any grievous way so that you can lead us in your way that's everlasting and abundant. We make ourselves available and ask you to speak. Thank you, Lord. We welcome your Holy Spirit to seal in our hearts what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, that your will is to bless your people, to strengthen your people, to transform us, to, as we bask in our identity in Christ, actually become more like Christ. 
And we're going to close church with one, one more blessing of just God's heart as he's put something on my wife's heart here to share. Good, good news. I'm actually just going to read this verse um, from Psalm 139, starting in verse 17 from the Passion Translation, which you know I love. And I want to encourage us to just meditate on this throughout the week and allow it to bless us. It is just, it's just like kisses from heaven. Every single moment you are thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still with me. I just think that's so amazing that every single moment he's thinking of us, every single time we come to him to connect with him, he's already thinking of us. He's already singing over us. He's already loving us. He's just thrilled to have us come into his presence and enjoy this song that's like rain pouring over us and lavishing us in his love. And I just want to bless us with that this week, that we would just say, Jesus, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the power of revelation in your life on this truth that you are thinking of us every single moment, that we would walk with you in greater richness of seeing and tasting the love that you have for each one of us, that we would just be spilling over like a river, like a volcano just erupting with your love, what you poured in just coming out of us because we're just tasting and seeing and savoring. So God, we ask for an anointing, an anointing of your spirit for your love to be made manifest, that you would open the eyes of our hearts to know it, that it would be tangible, succulent, savory, beautiful, that it would transform us and that we would come back next week with testimonies of how the love of God transforms and changes our very lives to the core. In Jesus' name, amen. Dance like